Hey, this is Mark with A Present Word, where scripture is shared with insightful and practical applications for you today. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. As unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich. What is Paul referring to when he says unknown yet well known? Prior to Paul's conversion, when he was a young man, we see him keeping the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. I believe Paul at that time could have had great ambition, not to be a tent maker, which he was by trade, but being a recognized Pharisee, to work his way up into the hierarchy of the Pharisees and Sadducee leadership community, and hopefully into a full-time position in the temple as a leader of his people in Jerusalem, like Nicodemus, also a Pharisee like Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul's writing, he says, circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted for the loss of Christ. Indeed, I also count all things for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. Paul was shunned from his Jewish community due to his confession of Jesus preaching him as Lord in Christ. He was thrown out of his beloved community, considered a blasphemer of God. He was now nothing. He was one to be avoided and spoken against by his countrymen, and ultimately he was condemned to death for his faith in Christ. Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 6, we are unknown to those known as important people or acceptable people, safe people. When Paul says, yet we're well-known, he's not speaking concerning well-known by men. He's speaking regarding well-known by God the Father, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and the spiritual world that surrounds us. Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. We exorcise you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, who did so. Verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Verse 16, Then the men in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. The evil spirit knew Jesus and Paul. We may be unknown here as it concerns men, but in regards to the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness, we are known. As Christians, we need to keep reminding ourselves this physical world is temporary and the spiritual world is forever. We have a physical body and we have a spiritual body. The greater and more important one is our spiritual body. But we have a tendency to forget because when we look into the mirror, all we see is this physical body. 
and we can get depressed if we stare in the mirror too long. Our outer man perishes, but our inward man is renewed day by day. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 44. It is sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spirit is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of the dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust, and as the heavenly man, so are all those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. This world is obsessed with being known and being important to be rich and to be famous. The spiritual world, God, angels, and demon devils, they're not occupied or concerned with any of those things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul's saying, we're dying, yet we live. We're sorrowful, yet rejoicing. We're poor, but making many rich. Paul says, I have nothing, yet I possess all things. As spiritual people, we can appreciate what Paul is saying because we're not looking at the things that are seen only. We're also looking into those things that are unseen, those things in the Spirit, things promised to us through the Word of God. We believe them by faith, and we walk in them by faith. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We may live here on earth 70, 80, 90 years, but in eternity we will live forever. That's billions and billions of years. The enemy of our eternal future, Satan and his kingdom of darkness, wants you and me to stay focused and keep our attention on this physical temporal life and value above all things that this world has to offer us and to forget and not concern ourselves about our coming eternal life, you know, our life after our physical death here. Of course, the great lie is once you die, there's nothing after this life. You're just dead. That satanic lie has taken more people to hell than any other lie, in my opinion. John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Well, the devil comes to steal away all that God has for us in this life. Evil's ultimate goal is to rob us of our heavenly future, our heavenly inheritance in the kingdom of God. We know Satan hates God. He hates us. He can't go to heaven. He's been kicked out. He wants to make sure he can take as many of God's people down with him as he can. That's how he's hurting God for the judgment he's soon to face. God loves all of us, but Satan's getting many to turn on God and follow him and deny Jesus, and that breaks God's heart to see his children deceived and follow Satan to hell. God said to the great prophet Samuel, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. 1 Peter 3, 3, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. 
Matthew 6, verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites or the pretenders, for they love to stand praying in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Jesus is referring to those pretenders who are standing and praying in the synagogue today, say churches and on street corners, praying they have the reward. What is the reward? Well, they've been seen by men. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you do a charitable deed, do not blow a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly." Jesus is teaching here the same principle regarding prayer as charitable deeds. Well, what's our motivation for doing what we're doing? Is it to be seen by men? If so, then we have our reward. Your reward will remain on earth. It won't help or benefit you in eternity. The left-hand, right-hand example is hyperbole, an exaggeration to make a point that we should not perform any religious or spiritual duty in a public way. We should do it in a low-profile manner, in a hidden way, in a secret way, if at all possible. The only one seeing what we're doing is our Heavenly Father who sees in secret. Today, there's much pressure to be publicly active and seen in ministry serving God. I'm asking, what's the source of this pressure Is it coming from above, or is it coming from a religious, well-meaning people who are convinced that to serve God, you need to be seen and heard in a public way to prove your sincerity to Christ? You know, many will ask, what's your ministry? What are you doing? What have you accomplished in your life? Or what do you do, placing all the value on you right now? What are you doing for God? Show me, demonstrate, impress me, so you can receive my acceptance and approval maybe even my promotion. Maybe I'll partner or support your ministry. Tell me, who are you? Otherwise, you'll remain unknown. I'm not implying that God doesn't choose approved vessels to have a publicly visible ministry where he uses their lives to demonstrate his power, giftings, and anointings. But in a way, these members are the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. The rank-and-file faithful members of the body beneath or the unseen that upholds the work of the spiritual church. In Ephesians 4.16, the whole body joined and knit together by what every member supplies according to its effective working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Well, in Romans chapter 16, verse 3, Paul's greeting these saints in Rome. Starting in verse 3, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Apathetus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia for Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andacronus, 
and Juna, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. By the way, if I'm slaughtering some of these names, please forgive me. And Paul goes on and on, because I can't pronounce a lot of these names. These are all the saints that are in Rome. These are the unseen, the church members that are upholding the spiritual work of Paul on behalf of the church. All these people may be unknown in the world, lacking worldly accomplishments, but they are well known to our Heavenly Father, and in this case, well known to Paul and beloved. Hebrews 11.35, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Simeon, Japheth, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith subdue kingdoms, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. And he goes on to say, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mocking, scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. See, these are the unknown. Yet here Paul is writing about them, so otherwise they are known in heaven. They're well known. Many of us today would fit in this other category list. We're going through many trials, mocking, scourging, temptations. Some of us are wandering in desert mountains, caves, spiritually speaking. Not because of sin or rebellion against God, but through obedience to his word, not allowing ourselves to be conformed to this world, but choosing rather to be transformed by the renewing of our mind into the image of our Lord and Savior. Revelation 6, 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren would be killed as they were, was completed. I believe this scripture relates to those who were literally martyred throughout church history, the church age, and the coming end of the church age, which we classify as the last days. But the Apostle Paul also admonishes us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice or a living martyr, wholly acceptable to God in Romans chapter 12. So whether we're literally martyred or spiritually martyred through adhering to and believing in the word of God, see, in denying ourselves, this is where our true value and purpose appears. Not how much money did we make on earth or how much work did we do for the Lord. Ephesians 2 verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone boast. So we know it's not of works. 1 Corinthians 4 5, it says, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart, that each one's praise will come from God. If you accomplish many great things in this life here on earth and remain faithful to our Lord, I say well done. And for those who are living a very hidden, quiet, 
unknown existence as relates to this world, being not seen by men, I say well done also. The longer I've walked with the Lord, the more I've changed many of my preconceived opinions and ideas of what a successful Christian life should look like. I've come to understand God is much more interested in what goes on in my heart and thoughts towards Him, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and most importantly, His Son, loving Him and keeping His commandments. I want to encourage you today, if you are one of the unseen, unknown, unpresentable parts, members of the body of Christ, be encouraged by this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, and that the members should have the same care one for another. I believe those members of the body that are less honorable and unpresentable, God has and will bestow greater honor as we live in his presence. We may be unknown in this world, yet well-known in the unseen realm, looking for the new heaven and the new earth to come. I hope this message was helpful to you today. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, click the follow button. If you're on Google, click subscribe. This is a free podcast. We are a listener-supported ministry. If you would like to donate, click the PayPal link in the podcast. If you're on our website, click the heart button. To contact me, my email is apresentword at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Thank you.